Hey. G'day guys. What's going on? How are we going? How's Good. your day, mate? I guess for today we're going to talk about heat, aren't we? Mm. Saunas yep. and all their yeah. amazing benefits, detox and recovery. And well, we talked about cold therapy a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? So, yeah, yeah. Switch it on its head and go the other way. It's hard not to talk about hot and cold together, isn't it? Yeah. Ooh. I think there'll be some crossover in some of the discussions we have today. For sure. Yeah. Probably yeah. got some studies. Well, you um, you do both, don't you, mate? Your cold water immersion and also sauna. You did some sauna this morning. Did some sauna this morning. It was a lovely experience. They've got a little new little sauna where I go, and it looks out behind the um, leisure centre. You look out over the the bushland that's there, and it was 110 degrees in there, looking out over the bush. Nice. Rain's teeming down. I know it's about 10 degrees outside, and I'm rugged up in the sauna, sweating it out. It was awesome. It's a good little intense Celsius, isn't it? Celsius, so yeah. proper hot. Well, I did think that maybe the... I'm trying to do some sums here, what that is in uh, Fahrenheit. To 15, to 20 maybe. That's hot. That's yeah, real hot. I didn't... Um, I thought maybe the thermometer was broken because it's usually about 90 degrees in there. Have a look at a few nice. of the studies that I was uh, looking at over this this topic, and uh, a lot of them say that the best benefits come from eighty to one hundred and twenty. Yeah, yeah, I've Celsius. read the same thing. Celsius, yeah, yeah. we're looking yeah. at that. Yeah, that's uh, that's two hundred and thirty degrees Fahrenheit. Two thirty. That's right. hot. Oh boy, damn. Well, that's why I thought maybe it was broken. No, I mean maybe not. I think people definitely do them that hot, don't yeah. they? Like yeah. obviously that was in, within that range you were just talking about, but. Yeah. Sweating my perineum off, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So what sort of sauna was that, CJ? Was that? Uh, that's a dry sauna. Dry sauna. Yeah. Yep. Uh, probably your typical Swedish type yes. sauna. It's got the hot rocks. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, you know, you'd put some water on there and it'd steam up. Mm, they don't a, do that a anymore. Wet sauna, wouldn't it? If you yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, you know, it's got the rocks. I think it might be just for show because it's electric. So yeah. You know, you pour yeah. water on that, you get a zap. <laughs> so, so, mate, uh, how long did you manage to last? That's that's pretty hot. Uh, I did about forty minutes. Wow. But I kind of chop in and out. I jump out for a minute or two. Um, go grab a bit of water, douse myself in some cold water for about a minute, yep. just from the shower. It's It allows me to stay in there for a, bit, a little bit longer, mm. wash off some of the sweat. It's, 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 it's interesting, sometimes you speak to some of the old boys in there, saunas going, you know, there's four or five people in there, which is fairly gross in itself. <laughs> They're old duck bags. Yeah, yeah. Old towel. dudes with yeah. white towels around there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was in, I was in there on my own today, which was great. But So, you know, you, you talk to them and they say, you've got to stay in there till your your sweat turns clear. You know, you get these myths from the old boys in there. You know, if, you, just, if, your, sweat's, if your sweat's opaque or hazy. I've never had opaque sweat. I don't no, know no, no. Is that a he said, well, this, this is what the thing <laughs> they, they were saying. That's the detox. Once you've... Ooh. Once you've once your sweat is now clear, you've detoxed, so you can hop out. Opaque sweat. Yeah. Really? I don't. I not even know that's a thing. No. no, neither did I. And that's what I kind of. Well, that's that's some real detox you need to be doing. Man, if you've got opaque sweat, you need more than a fucking sauna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I look. I didn't believe them. But, no, uh, maybe did they? Uh, do they also tell you, mate? Just be careful. Um, when you walk out of the sauna and, and you walk out in the wind pulling a face, the wind will change your, your face. Yeah. <laughs> All these myths. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That wasn't one of them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, mum told me that back in the day. You know? yeah. don't want to pull a face because the wind will change. Wind will change, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, just on that, I actually do a bit of uh, heat bathing. We don't have a sauna at home. Um, 
I have done a little bit of infrared uh, sauntering in the past when I stayed at a property we were renting uh, that, that had one there. But uh, I know the Japanese do a lot of heat bathing. I'm sure CJ's got a study up his sleeve, but... <laughs> 2018. Um, so so I, I, yeah. I do similar. I get in a, a bath as absolutely hot as I can tolerate to the point where it's basically burning my skin, uh, sit in there for a few minutes and sort of acclimatise and then try and add even a little bit more hot water and you, you pretty quickly get a good sweat on. I sit in it uh, up to my neck and I try and stay there for sort of half an hour or 45 minutes and I, I really rate it. You do really sweat and you don't notice how much you're sweating until you get out of the bath and you're just really profusely sweating like you have got out of a sort of like a dry sauna but I guess it's a, a little bit of a, a poor man's way to, to do a sauna or to get exposure to that heat at least if you don't have well, access. I guess that's the thing is a lot of the things I looked at all the studies that I looked at, they use sauna because it's easy and available mm. and the data you can kind of get straight away. You know, you can poke and prod and do these things. But I guess for for the common man, you you, you do what you can with what you've got. No, not a lot of people are going to have a sauna in their backyard. It's, it's actually quite costly to go to the sauna at your rec centre or your leisure centre. So using a bath mm. is great, but the, they're probably similar, right? You, you, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. You're heating your shell up and your core. It, it would be similar mechanisms. Yeah, so from a biochemical point of view, as long as you get it hot enough, you're still going to stimulate heat shock proteins, which is basically the, the pathway that you're switching on when you go into a, to a hot sauna. Yeah. So, Well, that's one of the components. So another component is obviously the immense sweating that you do, which is good for, for detox and things like that, but... Yeah. In terms of when you look at the biochemistry, uh, as long as you get up to a hot enough temperature for long enough, then you're going to stimulate these heat shock proteins they talk about. So I guess yeah. whether you're in a bath or you're in a, a dry sauna or a wet sauna or whatever, as long as you're getting that temperature, you're probably going to get that similar um, sort of like you know, biochemical. Yeah, I, I, I don't That's know. That's what I say, and I couldn't find the studies to say that there just doesn't look like there's been studies on yeah, being in the bath as opposed to yeah. in the sauna, but I would assume that the mechanisms are the same, right? I think the only the skin... thing that would be very different is the fact that when you're inside a sauna, you're breathing the superheated air, uh, so yeah, your body yeah. absolutely would cool that down. And if you're in a uh, sauna, CJ, and it was up to 110 C, then you're definitely not breathing 110 C air into your lungs because you would do damage. But I couldn't... when it goes through your mouth and your nasopharynx it would be quite warm and then it would cool down a fair bit before you actually inhaled it. But I think there is some benefit of having that in your your mouth and your nasopharynx. Yeah, that makes sense. As well. Um, I couldn't breathe through my nose today. You can it was, breathe through nose. Well, I can. <laughs> I just, it has, it's, but it stings. It was yeah, burned yeah. the nostril. Yeah, so I think there is some, some benefit to that that I've come across when you look yeah. at some of the studies. But I just couldn't do it. It just hurt too much. I guess, no, yeah. I guess oh, no man. matter what heat uh, environment you're in, yep. you're still achieving, like you said before, mm. Smitty, the same effect of opening up capillaries, getting blood moving, yep. getting that lymphatic system uh, moving as well. And, and Stroke volume increase, yeah, your heart yeah. pumps more. Yeah. Yep. But you know. like you said, Smitty, uh, I found it really interesting just looking, listening to uh, Andrew Huberman. Uh, he was saying that extreme heat increases a release of dynorphin. Yep. Um, which is a um, which is a, when that's released, you become agitated. It's an mm. agitated, like an anxious sort of feeling that when that's released. And sometimes I have felt that in a sauna, like I just feel, oh, like you know, I've got to get out of here. You know, I just feel sort of not comfortable. 
Yeah. But that, that release of that dynorphin, um, your body wants that to bind to kappa opioid receptors, oh. which uh, was a term I hadn't heard before. But when that happens, the body releases uh, heat, those heat shock proteins that you just mentioned. And those heat shock proteins assist with cellular repair, repair of damaged proteins, and also make um, endorphin bind to itself, bind itself to its own receptors, mm. therefore then um, creating like, you know, that, that good feeling, that, um, you know, that uh, positive... Endorphin release. Yeah, endorphin yeah. release. Yeah, yeah, serotonin, so, yeah. yeah, it was sort of like a similar sort of um, effect that we talked about with the cold therapy, that mm. release of a particular hormone that has a positive effect physiologically and psychologically on mm. the brain. I found it so interesting, huh? Yeah, I th- maybe we can talk about those heat, sh- heat shock proteins proteins because you know we get there are benefits of you know metabolism immuno building long-term stuff brain function heart health hormone production the heat shock proteins you sort of discussed there we can touch on those i guess they're a they're a bit of like a protective mechanism i guess if if you were cooking meat you know you've got your raw meat sounds a bit gross right you got your raw meat and your cooked meat. The proteins are different. Yeah. Those heat shock proteins are that protective mechanism to stop that happening to our meat. I guess. Yeah, yeah, right. So you know those it stop stops the folding, Smithy. You might know a bit more about it. Uh, Shed yeah, some so, more light. Yeah. So your heat shock proteins are they refer to them as like a little bit of a molecular chaperone. So basically, heat shock proteins are always. Uh, in our body, but when we're exposed to a temperature extreme, then they increase quite a bit. So that they might be down at a very low level, like one percent or something like that, and then they, they can increase dramatically after an exposure to heat. But essentially, they they do a lot of different functions. But their most important function is the the sort of chaperoning of your proteins to make sure that they fold in the correct manner. Um, because when our body is making all these intricate structures within itself, uh, intracellular structures and things like that there's a lot of misfolding that goes on when amino acids are folded in the wrong way. So these heat shock proteins are seen as like a little bit of a chaperone where they make sure that the proteins are folded in the correct way. So they're almost like a like a protective mm, um, yep. little molecule that, that makes sure that the body is doing what it needs to do. And, and they're going and rescuing the proteins that are affected by heat and yes. then stopping them from misfolding or not doing what they should do. Yeah, so the numbers yep. increase a lot after the heat and then they go and do all their good work. Yep. Um, so it's one of those proteins, uh, one that I was reading about, uh, BDNF, uh, brain-derived brain neurotrophic yep. factor. No, but brain-derived neurotrophic factor does increase in the presence of heat. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yep. brain-derived neurotrophic factor basically makes uh, or... Smart drugs. Encourages, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it encourages um, stem cells in your brain to actually become neurons. Right, okay. Uh, so it's almost like it helps you grow new brain. Yep, and it helps regulate um, like your synapse uh, plasticity. So, yeah. So that synaptic gap there, so things are happening Because more you can like actually, your nerves can, or your neurons can grow in the presence of brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So when you're young and when you're a little kid, you probably have higher brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Your brain's growing. Yeah. And then anything you can do to stimulate more of it uh, in adulthood will yeah. essentially uh, help your brain to yeah be more plastic, you know, yeah. have more of that neural plasticity so because you can grow new neurons and make new connections and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so we're leading down to like more, some cognitive benefits as well oh, for yeah. therapy. So stuff yeah. like uh, that'd obviously be like um, 
directly affected with depression or, or mood, states of mood and stuff like that, that that could have effects on? Yeah, supposedly. And I'm going to crank out a quick study here. Oh, you got the first, first study. for a study, if you don't oh, mind, because really it just makes it nicely with what you were saying and we are talking about the brain. So, so Finland, apparently they're crazy for their saunas. Almost every house in Finland supposedly has a sauna. It's a big part of their culture. Uh, and so the Finnish do a lot of saunering and they've done some really good studies uh, to look at the, the positive benefits of it. And one of them was they followed a group of 2,300 people over 20 years. So pretty long uh, wow. observational study yeah. and a decent sample size, like 2,300 men. So that, they took into account uh, other variables like uh, someone's exercise status and their socioeconomic status and things like that. And after they evened it all out, they worked out that guys who used a sauna four to seven times a week compared to men that only used it one time a week for 15 minutes had a 66% lower risk of dementia yeah. and a 65% lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. So obviously two yeah. sort of neurodegenerative diseases. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mate, I did see that study. Yeah. yeah. It was an interesting one. Yeah. So they That's took, an amazing figure. It is. So they took out the healthy user bias. Did they? Yes. Of the people in Exactly. It? So when they normalised everyone yeah. for other things like socioeconomic and exercise yeah. and things like that, and they, they removed that bias so everyone yeah, okay. was on an even playing field, they nice. found that yeah, after yeah. that, over and above it, if you were using it four to seven times a week for 15 minutes as opposed to once, you got those nearly two-thirds reduction in uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah. So they looked at people who were kind of smoking, drinking, yeah, exercising, that kind of thing, levelled it out. Exactly. They took away the compounding variables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's we probably, you know, we might have all found that same. I think I, I might think have found a, that study. I think study, it's a yeah. very. What was it? What was it called again? Sorry, because mine's uh, was from two thousand eighteen. Mine, but it might have been a bit different. Yeah, yeah sometimes I, they uh, update them. Or yeah, like, yeah, um, or someone recreates them. Recreates them. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Uh, I did read the study last night, and then I made a, a couple little notes just about the results. So I'm going to be like the worst guy in the world and not credit the uh, academics who did it. But yeah. The yeah. data is interesting. Sauna bathing is associated with decreased cardiovascular mortality and improves risk production in male and female. Yeah. Does that sound about right? I don't that know. Sounds about right. Similar. Hey, that leads me to a good thing that, um, that I also my... picked up from Andy Huberman, right? So you talked about um, heart health. Yes. So he was talking about two modalities of, of sauna treatment. And so basically... Uh, a lot of sauna treatment throughout the week is not good for your growth hormone um, production. So if you're sort of like in muscle building or whatever, like building de muscle building development, uh, probably not not good to do more than maybe two or three times a week of sauna. So he, his first modality, right? So for to, to, to not have a negative effect on growth hormone, he said that roughly two hours once a week uh, was enough. Uh, for sauna treatment, but that two hours um, was in a in a sort of a protocol of a thirty minute sauna as hot as you can tolerate. Come out for about five to ten minutes with no cold exposure, so just coming out of that hot environment. Reimmerse yourself for thirty minute sauna, back out again for five to ten, and repeat that for two hours. Mm. And that was the day that all you needed to do was for your sauna treatment to not have a negative effect on growth hormone. But the other um, uh, protocol was two to four times a week being the best for long-term heart health mm. two to four times a week of 30 minutes a day and so what you were just highlighting there Jonesy that uh, mortality of, of, um, of people with uh, from heart heart conditions uh, he, he also mentioned this that there was a 27% reduction uh, in heart event mortality with 30 minutes sauna 
two to three times a week. But there was a 50% reduction in heart event mortality in 30, 30 minutes of sauna four times a week. So I guess what we're just highlighting here is that there are long-term benefits if you do more sauna treatments throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are, that could also, that could have negative um, impositions on your growth hormone production. Yes. Whereas the once a week was more advantageous for those concerned with growth hormone Rude, do you know if that took into account the, the type of sauna? Because I've heard that, well, well, I haven't heard, I think maybe it varies depending on uh, if it's an infrared sauna versus a, a wet or a dry sauna. Because I think the infrared ones don't get as high a heat um, mm. you know, in the atmosphere. Yeah. And I think maybe they don't have the same negative effect on growth hormone. Is that a thing? or am well, I... uh, From what I gathered from that discussion, uh, they were referring to... Uh, sauna that wasn't infrared yeah yeah it was your your traditional type sauna yeah yeah Hmm. interesting i'll have to check up on that a little bit but um yeah because i think the infrared ones offer some other advantages definitely well if you look at if you look at the mechanisms by which things happen when you're in the sauna yeah vasodilation increases stroke volume increases heart rate increases probably between sort of 100 and 150 beats per minute. What does that look like? That looks mm-hmm. like zone two cardio exercise and mm-hmm. yeah. low yeah. level, easy out in a jog kind of, yeah, low level yeah. fitness. Mm-hmm. It's basically a, a Definitely. Fitness, uh, exercise mimic, isn't it? It's yeah. Sort of tricking your body into thinking you're almost doing exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess so, so we've probably touched on some benefits there. We've briefly sort of discussed sort of some of the stuff we each do, but in your research for our podcast today, what kinds of things did you find? So while I was looking, I found sort of a temperature range. You want to look for about sort of 80 to 100 degrees Celsius. And obviously that how hot that's going to be depends on you. Like Mickey was just talking about there, the tolerance, you kind of, you're going to build up some tolerance. So at the start, you might only be able to handle sort of 80 degrees for five minutes or so. You know, the, the, the rate at which you sweat is gonna, is gonna be different. So I guess that temperature range from what I've looked at and personally experienced between sort of 80, 80 and 100 and between sort of five and 20 minutes, I reckon is a pretty good little protocol. I know you're kind of talking about doing 30 minutes there, but especially like today, it was 110. For staying in for much longer than 20 minutes was definitely hard work for me. Mm. You get, like you said, you get agitated. You kind of like, I've got to get out of here. I think that's your body telling you, as the ancestral man would have done, listen to their body yeah. and probably got out of that difficult environment. environment. Mm. So you jump out a couple of minutes, like Huberman was saying, jump back in. Mm. Um, I, did, I did think, you know, it would be great to be able to get to the sauna because from what I've sort of read, two to three times a week is ideal. You were talking about that rooster before. Yeah. I guess but, ideal for certain health benefits. Yeah, yeah. More so the heart, cardiovascular sort of. Yeah. So, I mean, does, does maybe one sauna, a couple of hot showers or a bath, you know, is that going to be as beneficial? I don't know. Mm. But, yeah, I guess whatever you can, whatever you can get to. 
Yeah, well, there was a study that um, showed that elevating uh, core body temp to 38.5 degrees Celsius led to an acute anti-depression effect that lasted up to four to six weeks. And this study went for yeah. about six weeks. Uh, and that was done in 2015, that study. Yeah. Uh, so just indicating that that temperature there, 38.5, was enough to help improve mood, decrease stress. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, it seems like in, I think in future episodes, maybe the next episode, we're going to talk about testosterone. So, I mean, cortisol and testosterone are kind of antagonist hormones, aren't they? So if you're reducing testosterone, sorry, reducing cortisol, you're going to increase your testosterone and maybe that's one of, that's another benefit. And I've I've got a study, I've got a study, but I want to save it for our testosterone one. So I'll I'll, I'll bring it up next time. I'm going to link all three, right? Okay. The cold, hot testosterone. Oh, that's that's exciting. Look forward to that yeah. on the next episode. Oh, <laughs> Is it Japanese? It's not. Oh. It has it to be finished. Finish. Yeah. <laughs> CJ, when you get into that super hot sort of, how long does it take you to start sweating? Is it almost instantaneous that you feel your body starting to sweat or you go a five mm. or ten minute? No, I'm, I'm not a good sweater. Mm. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm efficient or my metabolism is high. I don't know what it is, but I sweat a lot less than people that I look at exercising doing the same thing as me. So it took yeah. it take took about sort of eight to ten minutes, I think. Yeah, okay. It was almost at the end of my first go outside and grab a drink period. Because obviously when you're in there you want to hydrate a lot, mm. you're sweating a lot. I found the benefit of or the, the sweating, the benefit of sweating came towards the end. So that last sort of ten minutes I was dripping. Yeah. Yeah. So if sweating is one of the benefits you want to get from it and and maybe people sweat at different rates and that's makes it easier to tolerate or, or whatnot. But yeah. For me it's it takes about eight to ten minutes before I mean yeah. I get a little bead on, you know, yeah. a few beads, but you know, when it's dripping when off you really and you've got to flick it. Just, yeah, oh man. And... When there's other people in there and the old <laughs> fellas are like rubbing their faces and it's going oh, I'm like, ugh, ugh, Get me out of here. Because I mean, you know I mean, what I'm like with the germs. Yeah, you don't love them, do you? you Having know. said that, one of the things I did read in the studies is the germs, because that's what I was concerned about. There's germs everywhere. There's a dude that's just sat here before me and put sweat all over these chairs. You know, mm. I did look at it, and the germs can't handle it. No, they're not. Uh, they're not enjoying themselves in there. No. So that made so, me feel very good. Yeah, I mean, you think about the human body. We do a, a high fever. We go up to forty, maybe forty-one. So that's you're right, yeah. sort of really killing it's off killing off our uh, viruses, pathogens. Yeah. I mean, hundred and ten. So I don't think those suckers are. Yeah. Alaston made yeah. me feel good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably better. probably a good zone for you as a germaphobe. Probably yeah. actually very. Clean. What's the What's the other thing where the you know the sound of things like people chewing and. Oh yeah, that is a condition. Isn't yeah, because that with the guys guy like, like that. he's oh, doing yeah. that. I'm like, oh man, and people chewing <laughs> that's no good either. I've got a mate who can't even handle someone eating a carrot. Oh, like crunching on the carrot, he just oh. wigs out. Flips out. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you have got someone like smacking their lips when they eat. Yeah. Oh uh, no. I can't handle that either. My kids, my kids That's do it, gross. and I look at them. I, I stare them down. They're like, sorry, <laughs> stare them down. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm getting us off off track there. So yeah, we looked at so those kind of temperature ranges and those. I guess you were talking about it, Rooster, before. Different times to be in there have different benefits for, yeah. for different things, and yeah. Any any other ones that you found of those different temperature ranges or time frames or 
Obviously, the infrared is a bit different. For me, the most, well, not the most interesting thing, but one of the really compelling things is the detox aspect of the profuse yeah, 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 sweating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, I mean, in our modern life, we're all really overburdened with heavy metals. Um, mm. You know, a lot of people, if you go and test, most of us are going to have some sort of heavy metal yeah. uh, overburden. One of the best ways to get rid of it is, is through your sweat. Uh, so, certain heavy metals, yeah. uh, particularly uh, mercury, uh, cadmium, uh, arsenic, and I think it's lead are really good at getting excreted through sweat. So, I mean, if you go into a sauna regularly and you're regularly sweating, um, you're going to be pushing out some of those heavy metals. So, super good for you from a from a detox point of view. Mm. But the only sort of caveat is that when Clear you get sweat. out, you've got to wash yourself off really well. You can't be letting the sweat uh, dry back on you because your body will reabsorb, reabsorb. Yeah. Um, what, what you've put out. So Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot of people mm. in the wellness space talk about getting uh, like some Castile soap or something like that and give oh, yourself yeah. a really good wash as soon as you get out and making sure that all those sort of toxins and heavy metals go down the drain rather than just reabsorbing back mm. into your skin. But, yep. um, get out your fluffy exfoliator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what that is. But hey, <laughs> dry skin body brushing. Yeah, talking, about a, talking about yeah. a loofah or something like that. <laughs> What's that? I don't know, one of those fluffy things? Is yeah. that what you're talking about? The fluffy, wiry <laughs> sort of things. <laughs> Takes off a layer of skin. That pink thing that you have at work that you carry out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, detox. Like, What a good yeah. uh, way to detox. Yeah. Same yeah. as exercise, I guess, or getting out in the sun yeah. and sweating or anything like that. It's obviously the natural way to do it. But if you're yeah. doing it on a regular basis and you're getting out a little bit every time, uh, yeah. really a good way to reduce your heavy metal burden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I just uh, I've, just confirming those uh, temperatures, Jonesy, that you mentioned, the eighty to one hundred and twenty degrees Celsius. Um, there's this hormone, IGF one hormone, which is uh, responsible for cellular growth and recovery. That um, there was a nineteen seventy six Finnish study oh. going back a while. When did it finish? <laughs> <laughs> but the effects of that hormone, the IGF one hormone, they it showed a hundred and forty two percent increase. In that hormone, when um, subjects were exposed to that that temperature range, eighty to eighty hundred. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, 80, wow, 100, eighty to one hundred and twenty. Wow, yeah, yeah massive, one hundred and forty percent. So, in your in your research and what you guys have seen, I wanted to ask you, Rooster, a question from our cold episode. You mentioned that you know you go in the cold, you get real cold, you jump out. And then you let your body warm yourself up. I, I when I do my cold, I get in the cold, then I go and have a warm shower, and sort of similar to the heat. Once I'm out of the heat, I'll go and find the coldest shower I can, and sit in that for a minute or two. You were saying there's benefits to allowing your body to either heat back up from the cold or cool down from the heat. I think they're metabolism benefits. Okay, uh, from what I've read and, and listened to. Um, greater effects of your metabolism when you allow your body to um, readjust its temperature naturally. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Bring and it I guess there's benefits for both. There's benefits yeah. for both the cold and heat, um, you know, alternate therapy. But then there's also the benefits um, that I, I sort of sort of go by yeah. with the um, metabolism thing, with just letting your body. It's interesting, uh, isn't it? Come back or warm itself up. All of them seem to have. Great benefits. So if you know you do your hot cold contrast, you're just doing your hot, or you're just doing your cold. Yeah. And then you're allowing your body to. Yeah. And how many times you do it per week? Yeah. You know, I think you're going to find both? what's practical for you. You know. Yeah. Um, I yeah. don't have a sauna. Um, 
I wouldn't fill up my bathtub to a hot temperature. Maybe I might do that. I don't know. Now that we've discussed it, I could possibly think about it, but I just find filling up a bathtub a waste of water. Um, I'd probably just go down and once a week go to a sauna. Mm. Well, interesting, sorry to cut you off there. Interesting, Huberman was talking about growth hormone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you if you were doing some weights and you you didn't want to sort of decrease your growth hormone and doing it sort of several times a week, because I think that's what you were saying, yeah. growth hormone goes down. Yeah. If you're only doing it once a week or once every two weeks, it increases your growth hormone. Yeah, right. Mm. So, so there, you go. there you go. So if you, I guess depending on the protocol or the benefits you want to get from it yeah. is, is how you would set up your own protocol to yeah. do it. So if you're only going to do it once a week or twice, twice a month or whatever it's going to be, yeah, maybe you're getting the, the growth hormone benefits. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I'm, I think he mentioned that Yeah. in that bit too. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, you know, all these different sort of protocols have different mm. benefits for you. Yeah. Mm. Well, just speaking on exercise as well, I've heard definitely for your near-infrared saunas and maybe the others as well, I'm not sure, they talk about uh, just increased um, mitochondrial function mm. yeah, after yeah, you're yeah, doing regular exposure to near-infrared saunas. So from a... I guess strength and cardio point of view, and just a general wellness point of view. If you're increasing uh, your your mitochondrial uh, density or um, anything like that, then that's going to have positive health effects. So yeah, and those infrared um, heat therapies are uh, like there's, there's dudes putting them on their balls, yeah, for um, yeah, like increasing testosterone production. That's what that's for. Is that right? The infrared on the knackers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that yeah. might be more to do with the light spectrum in the near infrared. Right. Okay. Um, I've yeah, never. Maybe it's, maybe it's all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that. We might have to look at that a bit more. Yeah, I did come across some some interesting stuff, sort of in that realm, um, with the testosterone one. We're going to talk about next week, so yeah, maybe we'll okay. have a chat about that. That might be. Uh, yeah. Well, be with, regards to, giggle, with regards to giggle, with regards to infrared, uh, just with regards to um, sunning your plums. Uh, yeah, sort of more <laughs> natural uh, ultraviolet. Okay. Sunlight, but that that yeah. does have. Uh, as we spoke about in our vitamin D episode, sunlight does have some near infrared in the spectrum, depending on the time of day and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so. because I remember listening to Ben Greenfield five years yeah. ago, and he was talking about <laughs> him sitting there balls. with infrared yeah, yeah. on his nuts, you know, like, while he's yeah. doing his work at his desk. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah good yeah. stuff. Yeah. What? What? Um. When we uh, first uh, talked about looking at this heat therapy subject, I just was really um interested in the whole um concept of uh, ice and heat for uh, acute injury. That's one thing that sort of was the first thing I wanted to look at with heat. And like being a, a, an ex-footy player and that sort of thing, you were always told if you had an injury, ice pack on, on the hammy straight away for the first 24 hours. Still do it. Then you start your heat therapy. But listen to a few things as I was researching this topic. Uh, it seems to be that that um, is a bit of a, a Western medicine mm. type philosophy, whereas Eastern, like traditional Eastern medicines like Chinese, Tibetan sort of uh, philosophies never ever have ever used ice on an injury, oh. on an acute injury. So <laughs> basically when you get an acute injury, you've got two things happen. You've got uh, an influx of um, toxins, waste products, dead cells, but you've also got an influx of fluid, macrophages, extra proteins, that sort of stuff for repair. So their philosophy or their belief is that and you apply ice you congest, that effect. You congest yeah. all that, that you blunt it. You, um, and Smitty, you, and it reminded me of uh, a, a point you made in our inflammation um, 
podcast uh, when you spoke that inflammation is perceived to be bad, but it's actually good. Mm. So by applying ice to an injury, we are reducing... Acute inflammation. Acute inflammation. From an injury yes, is good. Yes, acute inflammation. Systemic inflammation, which we kind of, of talked course, about. Of course, that was the about, point yeah. that we made, but uh, Smitty made the acute um, inflammation is a necessary vital thing. So I just found that really interesting that uh, we we are probably preventing the movement of all these components in the mm. inflama- inflammatory process. Um, therefore, by uh, reducing our our the healing process. And I wonder whether that contributes to more scar tissue forming and that sort of thing. I mean, I pulled hamstrings all the time playing footy, yeah. straight with the ice pack, you know, and then it just occurs four well, if months. You, if you think about it, you, your body is injured. What a great mechanism it is to recover and repair. So what that ice is doing is stopping that happening. Mm. Yeah. So even in the footy now, you watch people, they whack an ice pack on it, wrap it up, they sit there with their ice pack and you're thinking... Well, your body is amazing at fixing that. All you're doing is blunting that effect and just pushing it down the line. Yeah. I mean, these footy players, they get all the best treatments. So it's really funny that that's one of them that... Yeah, it seems to still be yeah. a so, traditional type of practice. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but these, you know, these are elite professional sporting clubs doing this. Yeah, so yeah. you'd think that they would know something that we don't. I thought they would be moving away from that yeah. kind of thing because I think now they're talking about compression, elevation and movement. Yes. Allowing the movement, allowing the lymph to get out, return the waste products yep. like you're talking about, and the ice is not doing that. No, it's even some heat and light massage yep. of the injured area is contributing to that movement of like, mm. in the lymphatic system yeah. um, kicking in and that sort of stuff. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was really interesting. And I guess it's a, uh, something worth probably getting a professional into discussion. Eh? Because, yeah, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see someone who's sort of at the pointy end of that that spectrum yeah. in the modern uh, scientific community to, to see what, yeah. because, you know, I listened to Kelly Starrett, uh, who is mm-hmm. the ready state, used to be yeah. uh, mobility ward. He was talking about that five or six years ago. He's written in, his, he's written in books. Ready mm-hmm. to Run is a really good book. Um, How to Be a Supple Leopard was his other one. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about those things five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've read those, or maybe not that long, but I've read those and thinking, oh, okay, this will be mainstream in two or three years' time. And here we are two or three years' time later and it's you're still yeah. seeing the same thing. Yeah, and I, yeah. I know the ice bath, the footy players aren't using it for soft tissue injuries. They're using it for CNS recovery and, and those kind of things. So they have those benefits. But, yeah, a acute injury and icing, yeah. I'm not a doctor, so maybe I don't know, but... Interestingly yeah. enough, if we compare it to the ancestral man, he wouldn't have had an ice pack in the fridge, would he? No. If he's, he just uh, would have carried on, kept moving. If he's moving. done an injury, he probably wouldn't have even known what it was. He's just, ugh, yeah. ugh, sore. Well, the body wants to heat <laughs> up, sore. doesn't it? Like, when you get sore, your body swells it and it the gets The inflammation is hot. Yeah. So it's hot. Yeah. So and you're sort of going against what your body wants mm. to do. Yes. And pretty much that's all the ice is doing, really, is taking that pain sensation, the heat pain sensation yeah. away. Yeah. And removing the swelling. and Yeah. I reckon there'd be really good arguments for and against. Yeah. I reckon you could easily find someone who was a diehard icer yeah. and someone who was a diehard don't ice. Yeah. Who would probably both be very qualified professionals. Yeah. And that's I probably why be... we're still seeing it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In sporting yeah. fields. Well, and... these dogmatic sort of medical procedures, they're really hard to kill them, aren't they? Like yeah. what I'm saying is mainstream. It's yeah. really hard for it to become unmainstream. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure. But I mean, you know, you, you, 
there's a lot to be taken from Eastern Eastern medicine. I yeah. think um, you know, a lot of the things they practice can leave Western medicine. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we've discussed, you know, the benefits of heat protocols to run through, how long to go th- for temperature ranges. You know, various different protocols have different benefits. Is there anything, anything else we wanted to talk about before we wind it up? I'll just uh, jump in with one thing that's on my to-do list, oh, yeah? which is on my radar, which is very ancestral, and it's um, a sweat lodge. Have you guys ever oh, yeah? sweat okay. lodges? I reckon Mickey Mac no, used to be not on really, your but, radar. Yeah. But there's sort of people in my broader network I know who have done the training in uh, traditional, uh, like running a sweat lodge. Well, oh, okay. Yeah, right. And, and yeah. so essentially what it is is you go out into the, the bush and, and you dig like a bit of a shallow trench and then you get some supple tree branches and you fold them over yeah. and then you put all sorts of, well, I guess back in the day they would have used like leather hide or something like that. But these days you use like a natural leather uh, or canvas uh, sort of like tarp. Then you put some different layers over there oh. and then you, you get some special rocks. Yeah. Uh, usually they use basalt in my area. It's a sort of a granite green, yeah. like a granity sort of a rock. It's good because it, it's a rock that doesn't uh, like distort or explode in a fire. And you make yourself a campfire, and then you basically heat these basalt rocks up to a really high temperature. And then you have a special little tool, and you carry them inside the sweat lodge that you made. You're all sitting yeah. on the ground on the earth, yeah. and you put them in the middle, and then you tip water on them, and you create steam. And they get incredibly hot, but it's like a supernatural, yeah. like wow. ancestrally yeah. way to, um, well, I guess go and have a sweat, but there's a lot more to it than that. It's very ceremonial. Like it's yes. a very... Um, like a prized job, I guess, to be like there's someone that tends the fire and tends the rocks and there's someone on the inside doing that. And it's a whole sort of structured way. You learn how to go and do it. You learn how to build the structure. And I've always dreamt about one day maybe like doing one of those. That could be a really yeah, cool That would be awesome. People would love to that. Do. And yeah, you're sort of, yeah. I don't know, getting my hippie on, but you're sort of earthing on the ground and you're in contact yeah. with Mother Nature and you've got the flicker of the fire. Yeah. And but my that is jumping so ancestral. Because remember so you know, the movie yeah. The Revenant? Yeah, the Revenant yeah. with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yep. When he gets attacked by the grizzly bear, all his wounds get infected. Mm. And he's nearly he's nearly about he's about to drop dead. Yep. He he's befriended by an, a North American Indian who builds one of those little things for him. Yeah. Um, and then heats up these rocks, puts him inside it, and then puts on the rocks this medicinal plant that they must have had. Oh, wow. And then he's in there for days and days and days, and he's in there just constantly being smoked. And you can see the smoke coming out of this little shelter that this Indian guy's American Indian guy has built. Yeah. Uh, and then he comes out of it and his wounds have become well, they're not infected anymore mm. and he's on the on the way to, to healing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was so, gonna cause I was gonna ask, you know, what would the ancestral man use that for? Ceremony, plant medicines, illness. 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 Yeah. yeah. Probably the whole general health. They were, yeah. they were cleverer than we give them credit for. Oh, oh, we yeah, are yeah. stupid cavemen and whatever, but I think when you look at the rich history of a mm. lot of different cultures, they didn't do things for no reason because there's a lot of effort involved in things. So yeah, they yeah. obviously did it for good reason. Couldn't just flick on the heater. It's on my radar. I reckon one day, lads, we should try and uh, do yeah. a little sweat lodge. Thing. Do yeah. Yeah. A little you sanctuary and kind of thing. Go yeah. and do a little uh, yeah. Yeah, course with others and connected like-minded people and go and have a sweat. I wonder if any of the listeners would like to do that as well. Maybe it's something that we now have a, what I'm getting at is we now have a uh, email address that people can contact us on. And you know, oh, yeah. if that's something that they're interested in, we'd like to hear about it and maybe some topics that they want us to talk about. Cool. Yeah. Modern what's an- the email address? Oh, sorry, yep. Modernancestralman at gmail.com. So M-O-D-E-R-N-A-N-C, 
A-S-T-R-A-L-M-I-N at gmail.com. What an ancestral man. Mm. Yeah, so get in touch with us. It'd be good to hear from some listeners, what they think, some topics that they want us to cover. Especially if they'd be interested in in something like that, you know, maybe getting a group together and... We've seen we've got a few uh, North American listeners. It'd be great to hear from them. Yeah. Get an email from one of them and see what... See what uh, topics are of interest over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot, lot going on in the states. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Huh? yeah, yeah. Lot going on in the world. Man. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Mister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that might be a good place to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, anyone want to close it out, or I think Smitty normally closes us out with a, a, a wisdom statement. Oh, well, wow. like a Yoda. Uh, do or do not. Uh, you don't try. I got nothing. I got no, nothing. I, I, I nothing. used it up on my sweat lodge thing. Yeah, the sweat lodge is good. I mean, if you want to connect with nature, do it in a do a sweat lodge. Doesn't have go. to cost you anything. Saunas yeah. cost a bunch, but yeah. um, go back, and make yourself a sweat lodge. Yeah, back to the no cost. There you go.